great. That makes me feel good. Um, anyway, hey, so we've been talking uh, about a man of hope. Who is the man of hope? Who, who gives us hope? Jesus. Yes, that's the, the Sunday school answer, the super easy answer for you guys to grab and, uh, and know. And if you, if you don't know about Jesus at all, you can still answer Jesus, and most of the time you're going to be right. So, um, so we're going to be kind of jumping around a few different uh, gospels. What's a gospel? Anybody know? What is a gospel? Go ahead. Yeah, uh, uh, good news is what it means for sure. But what are, what are the gospels? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, what are they? What are they? Yeah. Books about? Yes, when Jesus was on the earth. Earth, earth. Did I really just say that? Earth. <sighs> All right, well, it's one of those days I can tell. Uh, anyway. So when Jesus was, was on the earth, this is, is four accounts of that. We're going to be in three of the four Gospels. How many, what's percentage of that? Is uh, anybody know? <laughs> Jesus, yes. Awesome. It's good. All right, so just so you guys know, we're going to be jumping around a few areas. I do not apologize. So anyway, uh, as, whoa. Hello. Spotlight. This is, this is to make the live stream or the recording good. So anyway, um, so we're going to be there, um, but before we get into all of this, um, do you guys like football? You guys watch football? I know my, my fantasy football owners right here, you know, shout out. Huh? 10 and 3. That's good. That's good. What am I? I think I'm 9 and 4 or something. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I do, actually, uh, because because my, my wife and my father-in-law, if you guys didn't know, Pastor Mike is from Michigan, so he is all big blue everywhere. They're probably going to win the national championship. Huh? <laughs> Macy's, like, super excited. Um, I just hope they don't get smoked by Georgia. That's my only thing. But anyway, I love football, okay? I love pro football. I love college football. Uh, I think it's, it's a lot of fun. I even like high school football, especially watching Bradshaw beat up on, on Prescott. Woo! I went there, Ethan Brinkerhoff. I went there, dude. Oh, 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 oh. So, woohoo! Chill out. Chill out. So, uh, oh, oh, my wife's coming for me. Hold on. No, you just. Oh, yeah, that's, that's, that's right. Yeah, they did lose in the playoffs. Whoops. Whoops. But, 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 but Bradshaw beat Prescott way worse than Prescott beat Bradshaw. Just saying. Uh, anyway, I know it don't matter. It don't matter. It don't matter. Anyway, I say all that. Shh, I say all that to say this. Uh, my family has a dilemma when it comes to watching uh, the NFL amidst all the other issues that the NFL has. Uh, my family has a dilemma, okay? Uh, my dad and I, so in turn, my mom also, uh, we cheer for two teams, different teams that are in the same division. Yep, I know, I know. Got got this this fan bam here who who's feeling that it's it's a difficult thing to walk out. Oh, I just kicked my water over. It's a difficult thing to walk out. There's a lot of family arguments uh, in the group chat, especially this week, because I l uh, love the New England Patriots. It's my team. You can boo me. Ah, that's what we, yeah. Yeah, that's what we, uh, we love that. Uh, my dad, my dad is a Buffalo Bills fan, <laughs> which is even worse, right? Uh, no, I'm joking. Uh, so here's the funny thing. When my dad gets into arguments uh, with me about Buffalo versus, versus New England and how New England is obviously superior, um, 
he, he always tells the same thing, and it's so funny. He's always like, yeah, we'll, we'll remember when Buffalo went to four straight Super Bowls. Yeah, I, I remember that. Uh, they lost all four of them, though. Like, hello. New England went to three uh, uh, Super Bowls out of four years and won all three. I would rather win three Super Bowls out of four years. <laughs> it's true, right? Okay, all right, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we cheated and we did all that. But, yeah. Uh, that was a championship game, but yeah. Uh, so, so anyway, anyway, anyway. So I always tell him this, though. Yeah, you went to four straight, but you lost all four, and it was in the 90s. So, like, you guys know that saying, uh, what have you done for me lately? Like, you're only worth whatever you've done for me lately. Like, all that good stuff, right? So I tell him that all the time. Like, dude, like, they haven't been relevant in so long. He's like, yeah, but those four Super Bowls. I'm like, yeah, but it was so long ago. Like, they haven't done anything since. And they just lost on Monday, so that was awesome. We get into... Uh, a lot of arguments over the new, the Patriots and the Buffalo Bills. I say all that to say this, that in the same way, the Christmas season can kind of be like uh, where we look at Jesus, we look at the birth of Jesus, we look at, 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 at this amazing encounter, this amazing event, and there are some people who will recognize Jesus being born as the Savior. They'll sing all the carols, they'll do all the stuff that the season requires of them, but then they're like, yeah, but Jesus the rest of the time was whatever, and he was this, and he was that. And they, don't, they fail to see that Jesus, in the same way that he brought hope in his birth, that he continued to bring hope throughout the rest of his life. That, that we only focus on the Christmas season, uh, uh, and we only focus on the birth, and I know that sounds dumb, like, hello, that's what Christmas is about. Like, I get it. But we, all, we, we always, uh, and there are people, especially in today's culture, who look at Jesus and they say, well, what have you done for me lately? Like, what's going on? And so tonight, uh, I want to take a look at hope in action. If you're taking notes, that's the title of this message, hope in action. Because last week we looked at the birth and, and how there was hope in the birth. But tonight, we're going to look at three stories of Jesus as he grew up and as he, he, as he became a man. Not became a man, he was already a man. And how he brought hope into hopeless situations. So we're going to be in the Gospels. Like I said, we're going to be in Matthew, Mark, and John. We're skipping Luke because we were in Luke last week. Four Gospels, two weeks. There you go. You can say I've read all four Gospels in two weeks. Wow, that's awesome. Um, so we're going to jump around. We're going to see uh, how he provides hope. And we're going to see how, how, how he brings hope in action. So if you do, uh, if you do have your Bibles, again, we're going to be kind of jumping around in a lot of areas. So if you don't, this is actually an okay time because we're going to be in so many places. And so it's an okay time if you didn't because you have the Sky Bible. Anyway, so we're going to start in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Um, if you're there, say there. <laughs> Only because you guys are, uh, yeah. If you have your Bible and you're getting there, and you're there, say there. <laughs> Almost. We got to start doing some sword drills, huh? <laughs> Heck yeah. I'm about it. Um, if you're there, say there. Okay, awesome. Good stuff. Uh, before, we, before we read, let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer just to, just to focus in. Um, Lord, I thank you for this uh, amazing group of students. Lord, I pray that you would just um, 
You just speak tonight and you would speak everything it is that you want to speak to these students. I believe uh, that in this last message of, of 2021 that you are wanting to speak some uh, incredible uh, things to these students, that you are wanting to bring hope into hopeless situations, that you are wanting to empower these students for even greater works than what we read about, which is so crazy to even wrap our brain around, but we we can through you and through your Holy Spirit and being empowered. So I pray, um, Lord, that, that your word would speak tonight, and I pray that this uh, each and every person in this place would be just receptive to, to hear from you tonight. In Jesus' name, everybody said Amen. All right, so let's read. Matthew 11, verse 28. Jesus is teaching. This is kind of on the back end of the Beatitudes of, of Jesus' greatest sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. This is what it says. It says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. Everybody say, weary and burdened. And I will give you rest. Everybody say, rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You see, Jesus, as he, as he is speaking in, uh, in this Sermon on the Mount, this is, like I said, towards the back end of this message. And it's so cool because he ends it with a place of hope. We can find hope in so many things. And so in this passage, in this teaching of Jesus, we find that there is hope in rest. That we have hope in Jesus. We have hope in Jesus that he will give us rest. We, we have hope that we have rest. And so if you're taking notes, you can just put hope in rest. <laughs> you see... The, the rest that Jesus offers is really a freedom. The rest that Jesus offers isn't rest that we think of, but it's actually just a freedom. You know, when, when we talk about things that are such hot-button issues today, right? Depression, anxiety, worry, fear, all of these things. This speaks directly to all of that. Because what Jesus is saying when he says, you who are weary and burdened, is he's saying, hey, if you're, if you're worried about things, if you, if you are fearful about things, if you are going through life with anxiety or depression, you can come to me. He says, you can come to me and cast everything on me because no matter how much you put on me, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You see, Jesus, it enables the disciples, it enables us in turn to overcome those things. And I know it's so easy in today's day and age, in today's culture, in today's society to say, well, I have this, I own this, I am this, I can't do this because of my whatever, fill in the blank. I can't do this because I'm anxious. I can't do this because I'm depressed. I can't do this because I suffer from this. What we end up doing is we start to convince ourselves that that's our identity and that, that, that that's who we are. We start to hold on to our fear or our anxiety or our depression and we say, no, 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 I am that, so I can't do this. 
But if we're able to actually take that thing and stop identifying with it, but move forward and say, you know what, I'm going to give it to Jesus, we get rest. We get freedom. It is so amazing to know that in Jesus' teaching, he teaches at the very end. I think that it was on purpose that this is at the end of this message. Because he wanted to give his disciples, his followers, and in turn, us as disciples and followers today, modern day. He wants to tell us, hey, if you would just, if you would just give me everything, I will give you rest. I will give you freedom. You won't even look at these things as being anxious or being depressed. You might feel sad. I'm not saying you're going to be free from emotion. Don't hear that. But you're not going to hold on to these things as if it's your identity. You see, if there are things that you are holding on with or struggling with, Jesus invites you to give those things over to him. He invites you to say, hey, I'll take all of that on. And what's so cool about him saying my yoke is easy and my burden is light is that it's not like you reach a certain point and he goes, okay, too much, too much. Okay, okay, no more, no more, no more. You get no more. It's always easy. It's always light. If we can release ourselves into his care, we get something that we can never obtain on our own. This society, this culture, your friends, my friends, your family, my family, we're searching everywhere for freedom and for rest and for security and for answers and all of this. And if we would just run to Jesus and give him our junk, he would give us all of this in return. It's so, so cool to know that as we give him all of our garbage, he in turn gives us things that we can never have on our own. Um, do you guys know uh, the story? We actually did this as a skit, uh, I believe last year. Maybe it was for Easter. Have you guys ever heard the story of the ragman? <laughs> <laughs> I think what's so cool about it, and it is, it's one of those like 1925 TV specials. Like it's a very old medium. It's an old um, short story. It's, it's all of this. But it is really, really cool because it's a tangible story of, of a man that walks around a city and he looks for people who are hurting and broken. And he begins to take those things on. So there's three instances. I'll, I'll just summarize this and, and go and watch it. Um, I was trying to find the clip from our, our church, but I couldn't find it. It was lost in the archives. Anyway, um, but this story is so cool because there's a man who, who is walking around with a shopping cart. And he, he's, he's walking around the city, and, he, and he's telling people, hey, I'll give you new rags for old rags. I'll, I'll give you new things for, for old things. Would you just please give me your, your trash, and, and I'll give you something new. And he walks around the city, and he finds a girl who has a bandage on her head. She has trauma, blunt force, all this stuff. She's bleeding, and the bandage is actually still seeping blood out of the bandage. And so he looks at this, at this girl, and he says, I'll, I'll give you new rags. And, and he takes the bandage off of, of this girl and he gives her a new one and it's, no, it's, not, it's not bloody anymore. It's not seeping anymore. There, there's nothing there. 
But as this man, the rag man, takes that and puts it on his head, it begins to bleed again. And he's taking it, and he's taking these things from these people. He goes on, and, and he sees a man who, who, is, who is homeless, and he's missing an arm. And he takes his jacket, and he takes the jacket off of this man. And this man, as he gets a new rag, as he gets a new jacket, he puts his arm through the hole. And he's able to, he's able to, to, to have both of his arms again. But as the ragman takes the old jacket and puts it on, he loses his, his arm. In the same way that this guy that he came in co- contact with. The story goes on. There's, there's a man who, who is wandering around the streets without purpose and, and, and drunk. And he, he's, he's just wandering aimlessly. And the ragman walks up to him already with the bandage and already missing like a whole limb. And he walks up and, and he gives him a, a new blanket, a new rag. And he takes this dirty, stinky, nasty one that this man has and he takes it on and, and he takes on that. And, and he walks around and, and finally he finds a place in the city all alone and he dies there. Here's the cool thing. He doesn't stay dead. The ragman returns and, 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 and comes back and, he, and he's missing all of these things that he took on. He's got his arm back. He's, he's, he's restored. And the ragman finally reveals himself as not just a man who, who's taking all of this dirty, nasty stuff, but, but he actually reveals himself and says, I am the ragman. I am the Christ. You see, Jesus does that same thing for us. He, he takes on all of this stuff and he takes our junk, our garbage, our nastiness, and he takes it upon himself. And he took it upon himself on the cross. And, and because of that sacrifice, we get to encounter amazing supernatural rest and freedom from the things that are holding so many of your friends and my friends back. So much of our identity as a culture is caught up in all of this nastiness. And Jesus is saying, hey, would you just give it to me? Would you just, would you just give it to me and I'll take it? I want to go ahead and read, again, like I said, there's a lot here uh, of scripture, but I want to read a, an account in Mark chapter 5, verses 21. We're going to read and jump around a little bit. So it says this in, in Mark 5, 21. It says, when Jesus had again crossed over by a boat, To the other side of the lake, a a large crowd gathered around him while he was still by the lake. One of the synagogue leaders named Jarius came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. And so Jesus went with him, and a large crowd followed and passed uh, impressed around him. I want to I want to pause here to let you know what happens in between this story because we're going to go back to Jarius. But but as they're walking to Jarius's house, there's a woman who's suffering, and, and she she knows that if she can just touch Jesus, she would be healed. And so she pushes through the crowd, and she was what society would deem as like untouchable, and, and she. She presses through the crowd and she touches Jesus and she's healed. 
And he, and he is able to speak, and he's able to, to tell her, like, hey, you, you're forgiven, you're healed. It's an amazing thing. But as it takes time away from where Jesus was originally heading to Jarius's house, this is what it happens. While Jesus was still speaking, speaking to the woman, some people came from the house of Jarius, the synagogue leader, and said, your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And when they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with the people crying and wailing loudly. And he went in and said to them, why all of this uh, commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. Can you imagine people laughing at Jesus? It's so crazy to me. And he went in. Oh, hold on. I messed my my place up here. After he put them all out, so he, he clears the room, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went into where the child was. He took her by the hand and he said to her, little girl, I say to you, get up. And immediately the girl stood up and began to walk around she was 12 years old. How many 12-year-olds we got? Anybody 12? All right, cool. Yeah, just turned. Yeah. At this time, they were completely astonished. You see what's so cool about this story of Jesus, right? This is away and apart from the birth of Jesus, but it, but it still speaks of hope and how Jesus carried hope because we can have hope not only in rest and in freedom, but we can have hope in miracles, we can have hope in a God and in a Savior who is active in our lives. Did you guys know Jesus isn't dead? Okay, yeah, okay, I would hope so, because if you don't, then we got issues. I'll talk to you after. You know, we can have hope in miracles. We can have hope in God actually tangibly moving in our life today. You see, Jarius believed that Jesus could and would heal his daughter. But other circumstances had made his situation worse. And it was up to Jarius in that moment because he could have taken the faith that he originally placed in Jesus when he ran over to him and he said, please heal my daughter. He could have taken that same faith and lost all of it, lost all of his hope. He said, you know what? Jesus, you're right. Jesus probably doesn't even care. She's, she's dead. It was, it's, it's over. He could have moved past, but he didn't. Jesus encourages him. Hey, man, keep faith. Keep hope. Trust me, I've got this. You see, when all hope was lost that Jarius' daughter would be healed, Jesus does the impossible. This man who just lost his daughter has his own friend saying, hey, you, just whatever, forget it. And he's like, no, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I'm going I'm to hold on to hope. I'm going to hold on to Jesus. I'm going to trust him. Jesus encourages his faith to supernatural levels. Jarius could have gotten really upset at the woman who took time away from his miracle. He could have lost all hope. He could have, he could have said, you know what, maybe Jesus isn't for real. Like, you're right. Like, but no, he, he, he has his faith encouraged to a supernatural level. And he says, no, I'm going to put my hope. I'm going to put my trust. I'm going to put my faith in Jesus, that he's going to do what he said he would do. 
I want you guys to know that God still works and moves today. He's not inactive. He's not dead. God still works miracles. And if you don't, I would encourage you, place your hope in Jesus so that you can start to see this stuff happen in your life. Because that's where it comes from. You're not just going to walk up to somebody in a wheelchair or somebody who's uh, limping around or somebody with an issue and be like, all right, hey, you're healed. I mean, you could do that. I don't know what Jesus wants to do. But if you're not putting your full hope and full trust in Jesus, it's not going to work out. I'm, t I'm just going to tell you. You start to see miracles and you start to see God move as you begin to trust him. Jarius never lost faith in Jesus, even though he could have. And if he had lost his faith in Jesus, I wonder what would have happened in that story. If he had lost his faith in Jesus in that moment, what would have happened? We have to have our hope in Jesus, and we have to have our hope in him so that we can see miraculous things happen in our lives. And if you want to start walking in that, hey, I believe wholeheartedly that you guys are going to be just, like, insane on your schools and in your, in your communities, in your neighborhoods. Like, I, I really do. I believe that, that you guys will walk around praying for people and seeing things happen. I believe that you're going to speak to things that no one else is going to be able to speak to. And you're going to see incredible things. I really wholeheartedly believe that. But if you don't put your hope in Jesus and you don't put your faith in Jesus, you won't see it happen. We have to place our hope in Jesus that he's still doing incredible things, even if our timing isn't in line with what he's wanting to do. We have to trust that he will come through for us. But it's an amazing hope, and it really honestly is something that's exclusive to us as believers. This thing of miraculous things happening. Why is that? Because most people believe that their divine deity or whatever can't do these things because they're dead. Hello. Like, you can go walk and talk with people who don't believe in Jesus, and they're not going to believe in miracles happening in the way that we do. Because where, where are they putting their hope in? Nowhere. Or stuff that's long gone, long past. But we have this amazing thing to be able to put our hope in Jesus and put our trust in Jesus and start to see amazing things happen. I want to share a story uh, of my great aunt. She might actually be my, no, she's my great aunt. Uh, my my great-grandmother's sister. I, I love this woman. Uh, I don't see her as much as I should, um, but uh, but we try to as, as much as possible when I'm in Kentucky. Um, she has the the best old lady name ever. Her name is Sibby. Uh, she's awesome. My my dad my dad is always it's always funny. My dad's like, she's a cat lady, isn't she? I'm like, she's never owned a cat. He goes, I don't know. It just sounds like a cat lady name, Sibby. Y'all. Yes. She is um she is ninety seven years old. It's pretty crazy, right? Um the church that I actually grew up in, uh she still attends. She's attended that same church, that same building, that same place for eighty years. Is that not crazy? 
So she's awesome, man. I, I love her. She, she tells me all the time, she's like, I knew you were going to be a pastor. Remember how I was telling you the stories of me preaching in Burger King and stuff like that? Yeah, she was around during all of that. So she, she knew like what was going on. She says, I always knew you were a preacher. I always knew it. Like, I love you. She's awesome. Um, situation happened over the summer, I think. I don't know. My mom watches some of these streams, so she'll tell me. But um, she's lived in the same house for a, a while, and it's an older house. Um, her neighbors check up on her all the time and get her groceries for her, and she doesn't even have a car anymore. So, um, But they, uh, I got a call from my mom one day, and she's like, hey, you, you need to pray for Pray for Sibius. What's what's up? Like she's been fine. They said, well, um, well, they found uh, they found carbon monoxide and, and gas leaks in her home, and she didn't know that they were there. So she was living in a house that was literally toxic for like two days, which, if you know anything about that, like you don't live that long. So she goes, this is the crazy thing. I said, I need to, you need to pray. And I said, oh, man, she's, she's in the hospital. And she goes, no, 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 no. You don't understand. You need to just pray for her to continue to get better. She's already out of the hospital. I said, what do you mean? She goes, listen, I don't know how, but uh, she's already back at home. Like, they fixed it, and she's already back at home. She just needs a, a few pumps of oxygen, and she's back at her house. I'm like, what? I'm like, dude, she's, at that time, she's 96. I'm like, what the heck? Like, dude, that doesn't happen. And I talked with my aunt, who's really tight with her. She goes and visit, visits her every single week. I was talking with her on the phone. I said, this is crazy. Like, did you hear about Sibby? She's like, yes, I was the one who found it. Here's what happened. No one had checked up on her for a little bit. My aunt felt something that she needed to go check and she went to go uh went to go check and she was like I smell something really weird and that's when they were able to find it and she's like I didn't notice the fire department came the EMTs came and it had been like that's where they found out it was like super toxic it had been like two days it was like crazy they said if she would have gone to sleep she probably would have died I'm like, this is crazy. I'm talking to my aunt, and she's, like, flipping out. She's like, this is crazy. She goes, Josh, I want to tell you something else. I said, what, what's up? She said, when I asked Sibby about everything, she, she goes, I, I guess God wasn't finished with me yet. And I'm like, yeah, like, of course. She goes, no, 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 no. You don't, you don't understand, Josh. There's more to this. I'm like, what the heck is more? I'm like, what? She goes, she decided to tell the firefighters who came to go check the house and everything, she told them about Jesus because the firefighters looked at her and said, you should totally be dead right now. Like, we've never seen this level, and you're 96 years old. Like, you should be dead. And she's like, uh, let me tell you about Jesus. <laughs> let me tell you about what my God has for me. Let me tell you about the fact that I'm 96 years old and I'm not done. And these three, four, five firefighters got to sit in the living room of an old lady telling them, hey, the reason why I'm still here is because Jesus wasn't finished with me yet. Jesus still works miracles. I don't think you realize the complexity of that story. There is so many factors in that 
where everything could have gone wrong. And she started to tell people, firefighters, the, the guys who were checking the house, about Jesus. Like, she had the opportunity at 96 years old. Let me tell you, miracles still happen. And they're still active. And the only reason I think that God still kept her through that and, and was able to do that was the fact that she placed her hope in Jesus in the way that she did. The fact that she lives her life in the way that she did. She still prays for our entire family at 97 years old. Like, she is incredible, man. God still works miracles. You can place your hope in Jesus and know that he works miracles. I want to read one last story, and then we'll, we'll, uh, we'll go through. Uh, it's, it's wild. So don't worry about that. Uh, I'll, I'll, t- I'll call you up. Don't worry. I know I never do that, and I probably won't. Let's be, let's be real. But anyway, uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, I just don't want you standing up here forever. Uh, John 8, chapter 1, verse 11. I know there's a lot of scripture. I know I'm going kind of long, but hey, it's the last one of the year. You got to give me something, right? Uh, anyway. Are you still with me? Is this still making sense? Okay, I'm just making sure because I don't want to be boring. Yeah, probably is. Thanks. Actually, no, it's not. Anyway, anyway, anyway. Oh, we'll talk about it after. Okay. Check this out. When she does, I'm going to have her send a video for us or something. Uh, anyway, so this is what it says in... Um, John chapter 8. It says, But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, and at dawn he appeared again in the temple courts, where all the people had gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. Everybody say, Ooh. (laughs) They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Check this out said to Jesus, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery in the law. Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. So Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. That's important. He started to write on the ground with his finger. And when they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let anyone of you who is without sin to be the first to throw the stone at her. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. So he's like, hey, stop bothering me. I got something to say. He's writing on the ground. Again, he stopped and, and wrote on the ground. At this, those who had heard him began to go away one at a time. This is important too. The older ones first until only Jesus was left. With the woman standing there, Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, sir. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. I wanted to end with this story because, one, it's one of my favorite stories of Jesus stepping into a situation where this woman is being accused. They've literally got rocks ready to kill her. You want to talk about hopeless. (laughs) And Jesus comes in and, and immediately changes all of their, their, their accusations and their hearts. And I don't, I don't know that he changed their hearts, but he definitely defused the situation in a way that was just supernatural. 
I would love to know what Jesus wrote. Don't you? Because it was important. Whatever it was, it was important because it says that he, he, he stood up and that's when he told them off and then he went back down to, to, to go again. You see, Jesus gives a response to the religious leaders and the people who wanted justice. And it stopped them in their tracks. It called their self-righteousness out. It called their self-righteousness to a point of self-reflection. It caught their self-righteousness into a place of self-reflection. And as the older and more revered people of that society began to move away, the young guys are like, okay, well, if they're moving, I'm moving. You guys ever been like that in a situation where your parents are like, hey, we're getting out of here, and you're like, right on you. Yep, I'm, I'm right behind you. Like, you ever been there? I've, I've been there a couple times. But Jesus does two things here. He asks her where her accusers are, but then he also commands and, and, and tells her, go and sin no more. Leave your life of sin. See, Jesus assures her that no one's going to condemn her, but he also tells her, hey, you have to live differently. You have to, to move past this. That's why we have hope and rest that Jesus will give us rest and give us freedom. We have hope in miracles that Jesus is still working, but we also have hope in restoration. We have hope in salvation. We have hope that Jesus is there as an advocate for us who is going to bat for us every single day, every time we make a mistake. Jesus restores. We have hope in restoration. Encountering Jesus Encountering Jesus will always demand a transformation of your life, always. If you ever have an encounter, it's always going to demand it. Now, here's the thing. You can step into that or you can step away from that. Just because it demands something doesn't mean that you have to do it. You can either step into it or you can step away from it. But it's always going to demand a life transformation. And this isn't a get out of, uh, uh, out of sin free card either. A lot of people like to read this story and be like, well, Jesus doesn't care about sin. Like, look at what he did. Nope. We have to live differently. We can place our hope in Jesus and the fact that despite our shortcomings, despite our sin, that Jesus will always shoo away the accusers, that he will always push them away and he will always stand on our behalf as long as we've run back to him. We have the opportunity to be restored, to be saved. Before Jesus, this is so important, before he came, there was no hope to be in right relationship with him without some sort of sacrifice. We read about the crazy things. We read about the crazy sacrifices, the crazy things that had to happen in society for you to be in a right relationship with, with God. But because of Jesus, we now get to step into that without any sort of crazy, accusa or crazy sacrifice. If the worship team would go ahead and, and come up, I remember to do it. <laughs> Here's the thing. In Jesus' life, how he lived, what he taught, what he did, the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross. All of this is, is, is a, it brings hope that we can be with him, that we can, we can be whole with him.
The coming of Jesus is our Savior. It's a hope that is going to last. But in this season, I don't want you to to go through and, and only look at the fact that Jesus came and only look at that and be like, man, that's amazing. Don't let it stop there. Jesus' life, his entire life, his entire teachings, all of the miracles, all of the things that he spoke, it gives us hope. Jesus lived his entire life bringing people hope where there was no hope. For the people who were so beaten down by the law, so beaten down by the sacrifices and the things that they had to do to be in right relationship, he says, hey, Give that stuff to me and I'll give you rest. To Jarius, who's looking at his daughter who's sick. And he's already kind of in a spot where he's like, man, Jesus, can you please come? And then he goes into this situation and she actually dies. His friends are like, hey, man, just, just give it up. Stop bothering Jesus. He took a hopeless situation and he said no, 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 I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust in Jesus. I'm going to place my hope and my trust and my faith in him. Jesus works a miracle, does the impossible. And you have this, a woman who is literally standing in the middle of her sin with no reason. I mean, by the law, they were completely justified by what Moses had written in the law to do whatever but Jesus says, no, 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 no. I'm establishing something different. I'm doing something different. This isn't how we're going to do this anymore. And he steps into this woman who is literally facing death in this hopeless situation. And he gives her a hope and he gives her a challenge to live differently. So tonight with every, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to just ask a very simple question. Where is your hope? Where is your hope? Is your hope that when you get older, you'll eventually be able to do things that you want to do? Is your hope that when you finally get over your depression and anxiety and when you finally can, can get past that, then you'll start to really give things over to Jesus? Is your hope in what your parents and what your, your, your schools are, are telling you to believe? Is your hope in what you're reading? Is your hope in the things that you see on social media or on the internet? Is your hope in the news? <laughs> Better not be. If you need hope in this season and you haven't trusted Jesus, if you need hope and you haven't trusted Jesus, just take time tonight and place your hope there. Say, Jesus, I trust you. Jesus, I believe in you. Jesus, you are where my, my hope is. Because here's the awesome thing. Jesus will never, ever, 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 ever let you down. 
It might not look like what you want it to look like, but he will never let you down. Lord, I pray for each and every student. Lord, I ask that in this season, I ask that we would put our trust in you more and more every day. But Lord, for those who have never placed their hope in you, they, they've, they've been looking at all of these other answers, all of these other places. Lord, I pray that they would just simply, simply just say, I trust you, Lord. Whatever it is, whatever it is you want to do, whatever it is you want to say, I just trust you. I place my hope in you. We thank you that when we do that, when we're able to say, Lord, you're my everything. I, I can't do this without you. When we place our hope in you, that you are always faithful to come through. Lord, I pray that in situations, I just speak specifically to some situations right now, isolation for students who are feeling isolated, for students who are feeling like cut off. I pray that you would just instill hope in their life, that they would have a hope in you and a trust in you that you will keep them and sustain them. I pray for people in their life who, who genuinely check in on them and ask them how they are. And Lord, I pray for relationships and friendships to form. For those people who, who are, are struggling with just a hopeless situation in their homes with their families. Their families may be separating or breaking down or, Lord, whatever is going on, in the home. I pray that you would keep and sustain these students through it. That you would let them know that, that things are not their fault. That they are not in a, in a space where, where they're the ones to blame. Lord, for, for those students who are feeling completely beaten down and, and, and clueless as to where to go or what to do still struggling to find their identity and find who they are, I pray that you would give them hope in the fact that they are who you say they are. We were made in your image that, that, that you love us unconditionally. Lord, I just ask that in this season, in the Christmas season, that we would be able to find hope and, 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 and see that for what it is in you, that, that you are a man who we can put our hope in. You're a God who we put our hope in. Lord, I pray finally for, for opportunities for those who are looking for hope in our schools, in our neighborhoods, maybe even in our houses, our parents, our grandparents, our siblings. I pray that we would be able to give hope to people who are looking, who are outside of this building.
We love you. We thank you. I pray that, that you would just take this, this time that we have to worship and, and honor you to just allow everything that was spoken tonight to set in. We thank you. We love you. It's in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. amen.